1: This is Danny Anderson, once again, thanking you for joining us for the Sectarian Review Podcast. Um, We are, as you know, part of the Christian Humanist Radio Network. I hope you go to christianhumanist.org and check out all of our... uh Brothers and sister shows, I don't know what the preferred nomenclature is there, but uh, uh, we have a whole network of shows that I think you'll enjoy. If this is the first time you're listening, or if it's not, I do want to urge you to go over to the Facebook page and hit like on that Facebook page. I'm planning in the next couple of weeks, there's a very specific reason here, I'm planning in the next couple of weeks on doing a couple of Facebook live videos. Remember months ago, if you were listening, we had that little listener contest with the fake, uh, ads. And I want to actually put that to some conclusion. I have some prizes to deliver some people. So I'm going to present those via a Facebook uh, live video at some point uh, in the near future. I'll make some announcement about that on social media. So make sure that you take, uh, however long it takes to go over to Facebook like that page and uh, and be on the lookout for that stuff and while you're there share stuff around I think Facebook has changed its algorithm and I'm getting <laughs> I think you have to be a lot more active in order to get noticed on Facebook and I'm just not very good at self-promoting so um, make sure you go do that and uh, get in touch with me um, there or at sectarianreviewpodcast.com uh, that you find all kinds of way to get in touch with, with us there um, if you have show ideas if you want to come on the show to talk about something I'm totally open to that this is the greatest thing about this is uh conversations with interesting people so um i want to um before we get to our show today i do want to make one more announcement so my guests will have to be patient with me here um in the and it's kind of related to this uh but we're mount aloysius college where i work uh, and I'm recording live from the Inferno, the studio, the empty office they gave me to set up a studio in here at Mount Aloysius College. Um, next fall, on October 18th and 19th, we are actually hosting a teaching college, a college teaching conference. And I think a lot of our listeners happen to work in this industry. And if you're interested in that, even if it's not, I think it's open to high school teachers as well. If you go to edu, which is an abbreviation for Mount Aloysius, edu slash teaching conference, um, you'll find, uh, the call for papers there. And I'll, I'll put a link up in the show notes and, and I'll try and regularly, um, advertise this. It's going to be really, um, Uh, just kind of ecumenical and open and just sort of friendly sharing of ideas. And I would love to meet any listeners who happen to be near enough to come to that. And if you're looking for a, uh, you know, a professional, uh, you know, achievement, uh, by coming to, uh, to the Mount Aloysius College, that we could offer you one here. So, um, but let's get back to the business here of why we're here today. I, uh, am going to be joined by Chris Maverick and we're going to talk about Black Panther. Um, this is a, the newest Marvel movie and it's, very important in the conversation that it started. And so I met Chris at another conference we hosted here and we'll have another one of those in the fall too. The, uh, charity comic convention that we, we throw here. Uh, there's an academic end to that too, as well. And I met Chris, uh, at that and, uh, he was in the audience. If you, if you remember back a few episodes ago when we were talking about it and stranger things and children and horror, I recorded a panel I led with Wayne Wise. Chris is asking some really smart questions in the back, in the background of that episode. So, um, when this show idea came to me, um, I, I immediately thought of him. He is kind of a savant when it comes to pop culture and comics. And uh, and so uh, he's uh, as close to an expert as I know personally. And so, uh, Chris, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. No,
0: no, no. Yeah. Thank you. Now savant. Now I have a lot to live
1: up to. And <laughs> like. The good kind, right though. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so, no, no. Yeah. Chris, I, uh, you didn't
0: say the idiot part. So I
1: suppose. <laughs> no, no, no. I meant genius. Uh, yeah, you're, I, I stepped in towards the end of a paper you did about Batman and the variations of like the versions of Batman. Yeah. And, and I thought it was really, really interesting. And so, it's, yeah, nice.
0: my, that's a, that's a, it's, A large part of the first what you saw was a large part of the first chapter of my dissertation, um, essentially reproduced in in conference paper form. But uh, but, yeah, I was uh, I I used Batman as my example, but it was more. And I I guess this sort of leads into even talking about Black Panther since it's an MCU film. um, I have an argument about the way we as readers, um, as Readers of comics, watchers of movies, um, how we view um, stories, narratives that have multiple entry points, we view them more in the way that we view mythology than uh, than the way we view a a story. And my. My key example is always: if we take uh, one one thing that I know has been adapted a million times is the book *Pride and Prejudice*. Very good book. We look at *Pride and Prejudice*, and we know that the real *Pride and Prejudice* is the one that Jane Austen wrote. And then, if we watch a movie, maybe we add up we we adapt it. Maybe it's very faithful. Maybe we turn it into *Bridget Jones's Diary*. Maybe we add zombies. <laughs> but we, but we always have the true copy of *Pride and Prejudice*. Whereas I argue with with mythology say uh the legend of hercules mm-hmm. the legend of hercules is i cannot say this is the real hercules maybe i mean the greek myth maybe i mean the arnold schwarzenegger movie maybe i mean the disney movie maybe i mean um the kevin sorbo television series maybe <laughs> i mean the marvel comics character maybe i mean the dc comics character Uh and even if I'm looking at just the mythology, there are – the legends of Hercules don't actually line up. There are different versions of – there are different tellings of that myth. Same thing with the Arthurian knights. Those things, I don't know what the real version is. And I argue that in comics, I cannot say that the real Black Panther is the one that was written by, um, by Stan Lee. I can't say it's the one that's been that's be, currently being written by Coates. Mm-hmm. I can't say. I can't say it's the one in the movie. All of those narratives sort of blend together are inspired by each other and tend to inspire each other. They, you know, they go back and forth and the idea being, uh, and this is one of the reasons that Marvel started the MCU. The idea is the comics are an advertisement for the movie. The movie is an advertisement for the comic book. One would hope that I, this is black Panther. And I'm sure we'll talk about it. It's a singular achievement in, um, in film as far as how quickly this movie has made a lot of money yes <laughs> and the, like i mean it's unbelievable the level of, of success it's had in this is week four i think yeah we're recording this. uh maybe five i lost track i think it's four and we've gone through and we've shattered records and the hope is hey you like this black panther movie well ta coates writes this book you might want to go read it um in as much as one would hope that anybody who's reading Coates' book currently goes out and sees the film. Yeah. There's a the cross-promotional. Are they the same Black Panther? No. It's a different guy. It's a different backstory. But the idea being that in my mind, I sort of meshed them all together into one cohesive story. And I think what makes that interesting is mythology is always – it's very interpretive. I can, I can tell you what the story of Pride and Prejudice is, but can I tell you – is black Panther a story about racial identity? Is it a story about African nationalism? Is it a story about, um, as one of the articles um, we might talk about, uh, about black on black violence, black yeah. lives matter. Uh, and the answer to all those questions is yes, <laughs> I, because there's so many ways to interpret any of those stories, uh, both for a singular narrative or for all of them combined, it becomes a, a question of, How do, how do I rationalize this in my mind? And I can't guarantee that I'm going to rationalize it in my mind the same way that another scholar is or another fan is. And I, and I think those are both, those are both, uh, completely meaningful and valid arguments, uh, or both, all of them are completely (laughs) meaningful and valid arguments. Um, and I think that's what makes, what makes comic scholarship very interesting in the current time, where you know ninety nine point nine percent of all media is superheroes.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's true, and um, and it makes it a perfect topic for this show, which we try to, you know, complicate things that seem simple. I mean, if there is a, a a motif or something that, if you're the first time listening to the show. I, it's a variety of topics we cover. I try to find things that are objects that help us like look at larger structures that from which they emerge. Right. And so there's all sorts of, uh, um, um, political uh structure that this is uh representing but there's also there's a commercial into this as well and so i think it allows us to see uh kind of the the mechanizations of uh, quite a bit of our culture right now and so i'm real happy to have you on real quick where do you study and, and
0: uh, currently i uh, so i am in the phd program i'm a fifth sixth fifth year I I don't like thinking about it too much. It Uh, all
1: just runs together. It's
0: (laughs) a blurry Uh, PhD uh, student teaching fellow at uh, Duquesne University, which is in Pittsburgh um, in the English department. And as one might guess from what we've talked about, most of my research um, uh, focuses on pop culture. Um, gender and sexual identity and racial identity representations within pop culture, specifically comic books. I also work with television and movies and professional wrestling and lots of things that um, end up being uh, not traditional literature. I mean, I also study traditional uh, literature, but I tend to work a lot with, well, you know, what happens if we apply a marxist lens to studying you know these superhero movies that happened in 2017 2018 um and that's kind of that's kind of my gimmick been my gimmick and and our academics. regular
1: listeners are wondering why has he not been on this show all the time um because this is pretty much uh like what we do and so uh it's a perfect fit is what i'm trying to say so let's real quickly just kind of get into the uh the subject at hand uh black panther a huge film Real quickly, your thoughts on it just as a film in and of itself, like without any of its context.
0: Ignoring all the, and th- this is an interesting question. Uh, I th- and I think this is one of the most interesting things about Black Panther, because if you've uh, if, rewinding a bit before the movie came out, and if you think about the history of comic book movies up until 2008, Arguably 1999, but up until the last 10 to 20 years, um, comic book movies were kind of goofy things that were just, "Hey, isn't it cool to see Superman on screen?" Mm-hmm. And Christopher Reeves was—I mean, that movie was remarkable at the time. It's, but really, if you think about the, the the Donner films and particularly the ones that came after Donner, um, they're they're not good. It's it's just it's just some things uh, don't age well. Yes, right. It's, right. But the but it was a marvel of being able to see a guy can fly. Yeah. Wow. Um, the Batman movies that came later, the Burton movies, the Schumacher movies, same thing. It, it, there's a novelty to seeing Batman on screen. Um, and if you look at te- television series, I would argue that the incredible Hawk TV show was actually really good and, and holds up pretty well. It's hmm. dated, but it holds up very well. But there are the, 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 particular heroes that are in the cultural zeitgeist, um, traditionally are Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, Wonder Woman, incredible Hulk. And that's it. Yeah. Those are five, five people. Um, there are, you know, you might get a little Fantastic Four cartoon, you might get a little X Men cartoon, but most people knew those five people. Yeah. Um, then came Blade, and that sort of opens up the world. Now people forget, and, and we'll get to this, but people, oh, Black Panthers, first Black superhero movie? Absolutely not. No, don't, Blade, don't. Meteor Man. Yes. It is. I I would argue it's the best Black superhero movie. Um, but. Is it first? No, not really. Blade is responsible for opening up and teaching people, hey, maybe we can make a real movie. I'm not saying Blade's a great movie. It's a movie I enjoy. Oh, I but think
1: it's held up really well. I love Blade. Yeah. Right. And the second That's one's not- even better, I think.
0: Yeah. Right. And the third one we don't have to talk yeah. about. <laughs> it's,
1: it's always the case, right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> so- but, um, but yes, I, I like the Blade movies. Um, I there, But the what made blade work was rather than just do what superman did and hey let's just put this guy on screen and all right look he's there um this was something different this was trying to write a story it was mm-hmm. trying to write a action horror film which happened to be based on this comic book yeah. and and it worked
1: and it took it seriously i think there's it, a that's a moment in which the, Absolutely, the new medium of of movies is taking this older medium of comics seriously, right? right? And and so, and,
0: yeah. And but also, what's important about Blade is Blade didn't Blade reinvented the medium, I, the character for the screen. Yeah. If you actually read uh, 1970s Blade comics, he is nothing like the Wesley Snipes character. Yeah. Current Blade comics, he is exactly the Wesley Snipes character <laughs> because of that. Because of what I was saying earlier, the, the medium reinforces – and, and the, the second medium, the com- the movies, went back and got reabsorbed into the comics and, you know, oh, let's give him tattoos now yeah. with different hair.
1: And but, Nick, Nick Fury has changed, you know, yeah, Nick Fury, <laughs> racial identity. <Nick laughs> <Fury laughs> like, yeah. they're, they're, you know,
0: we, we adapt these things. But um, the original Blade wasn't that. Same thing happens with the X-Men movies later. And then Iron Man comes, and Iron Man invents this Marvel Comics formula. Um, Iron Man, the first the first Iron Man film in 2008 Um, and and it says Kevin Feige and his people say we're going to try an uh, experiment comics. Um, since the Silver Age of comics have been about this ongoing narrative rather than these individual stories. Superman 1 to Superman 2 are kind of a continuous story, but mm, they kind of stand alone. Mm-hmm. The Batman movies kind of stand alone. Uh, starting with uh, and even the X-Men movies, there's I guess a continuous narrative between them but it's very loose. Iron Man is, this is episode 1 of the new MCU te- television show. Episode 2 is going to come out. Episode 3 is going to come out. Then we're going to have all of this Converge in this experience. We're gonna call the Avengers. Yeah, and this is gonna be the new way the new way of mediums. Work, and we're gonna give it a name. It's called the Marvel Cinematic Universe yeah. This is an amazing new thing and it was a crazy idea and he made it work Yeah, and, and it worked and it created a formula that everyone wants to duplicate
1: and Real- before, oh, I, I hate to cut you off, but also it it also made use of the limitations that the mcu had because they licensed out they really the ones the marketable characters were all licensed out to, uh, to other yeah. companies right yeah they
0: hadn't they had no access to <laughs> spider-man or hulk or exactly. x-men their their biggest the household names that we discussed earlier were just gone yeah i'd say that was a credit because it forced them to write a good movie absolutely yeah Uh not i mean the X Men movies again. These are movies that I enjoy. I am I am a comic book geek. I have loved this medium for forty years now. Um, I, like I, I've been reading most of my life, and I, you know, these are things that if you put, if you tell me there's a Howard the Duck movie coming out tomorrow, I will be there. <laughs> and and, and I, I and like so, it doesn't need to be good to get me in the seat. And sure. but that's fine. Um, and so I would absolutely go to an X Men movie. I went and saw Wolverine Origins. It's horrible, but I watched it because, of course, I did. But I'm not the target audience. You you can't just uh, you you can't just say, or at least in 2008, you couldn't just say, "We're going to put Iron Man on screen and come watch this," because most of the audience said, "I don't know who Iron Man is." Yeah. And so they had to invent a formula. They invented a formula where they told a real story. And I'm not going to say it's the greatest movie of all time. There's it, it did not deserve an Oscar. Right. But but it was a real story um, with a actual hero journey for this Tony Stark character, Robert Downey Jr. character that um, has a rise and a fall and is a well-constructed. And I say the first Iron Man is a very well constructed, uh, uh, constructed for sure, yeah, uh, movie. If you look at it from, if you look at it with classic literary analysis, there's an animus and a uh, that is his. You know, he's got a mere villain. There, it, it is a very well structured superhero myth for that first film, and it works. And that became the Marvel formula. Mm-hmm. Around the same time, we start having this question of representation because if you look at the early heroes that they put, that they, th- they tossed out there, they gave you Iron Man, they gave you Thor, they gave you Captain America. Um, and then I guess let's just throw in a Black Widow and Hawkeye as side characters, but really it was the story of three white guys. Yeah. Um, and, and there was a big question. Can Black Widow carry her own film? That's been a question that's happening for years. There was no black character to speak of, other than Nick Fury, who was Samuel Jackson, progressive at the time. Um, there's comic book backstory as to why it doesn't matter, but no one made it. No one made a Nick Fury film either. Will people come and see this movie if it's about a minority? If it's about a female character? And the going wisdom at the time was no. And that was unfortunate because if you think about it, no one actually knew who Iron Man was. Like I said, this was – they, there was no reason to doubt that you could. I mean, you could have started with Black Panther. You could have started with Falcon. You could have started with Luke Cage. You could have started with Captain Marvel. Hmm. With uh, well, they couldn't do Storm. Storm they didn't own. But there were uh, there were any number of you could have made a Wasp movie. There could there, any number of female characters any number of minority characters one could have started with. They just didn't. If you made a good movie, and so the, but there was a there was a very real fear that fear got assuaged last year with the release of wonder woman yeah. and again i'm not going to say wonder woman is the best movie i've had this argument many many if people read my blog they'll see that i i get into arguments about movies because i love this stuff um about whether wonder woman should have been at the oscars this year uh, and i expect and I've, I've said this i expect to be having this argument next year about black panther black panther will not be winning the best picture award next year it's just not that good but it doesn't need to be that good it was good enough in fact it was better than it had to be because it's a movie that is a real story about a real character which is engaging it is formulaic because it follows the Marvel formula, but I like the Marvel formula. Mm. Uh, and if you think about, if we, if we take all the politics out of it, we take all the social context out of it, and we just look at it as a movie about a character, it is a character who in a who has a rise and fall, much m- muchly due to hubris, and is forced to fight and his ideological opposite. Who is a mirror image of himself mm-hmm. And overcome him And learn a lesson It is the exact same story yeah. From a beat, to, beat for beat It is the same story as the first Iron Man movie Yeah, um, I think it's better Than the first Iron Man movie Because some of the social context that we're about to talk about But as far mm-hmm. as analyzing as, as a film in and of itself um, if, I, if I Did not live in the two, year 2018 If I go and I um, Same way I might study Hercules 2000 years after it was written if I sit in the year 4018 and watch the Black Panther movie I think I can enjoy it as a structural myth story um, very similar to the Iron Man story without understanding the social context of America and the global stage and the and isolationism of African countries and I think I would argue that there's tie-ins to uh, There's a lot of tie-ins to the political strife That's um, Existed from the Bush administration through the Obama administration into the Trump administration I'd argue a lot of that is in there I don't necessarily need to understand any of that in order to Enjoy it as a film as a three and a half out of five star film, yeah. which is which is good Um I think it becomes better if I do because now if I if I understand this and I and I look at it as a as a artifact for our time then this becomes a movie about oh I see what what Coogler Ryan Coogler who directed it, I see what he's doing here he's making this statement about the BLM movement he's mm-hmm. making statement about you know what were the Black Panthers trying to do exactly um, what the isolationalism and th- this is one of the articles that, I don't know if you're going to link to like the articles that we talked about, but, yeah. um, but one of the articles talked about, you know, the Wakanda first movement. Wakanda first is the exact same argument as America first, which sure. our, our current president makes. Um, the social context involved makes it different. Black Panther um, is a, is, is doing that um, as a reaction to um to the struggle that African nations faced with triangular trade um, uh, slavery going back hundreds of years as opposed to a fear of the other which is something that you know we, we might be doing with the current system mm-hmm. but the actual action is the same and I think what makes this movie interesting is that if you want to pick it apart it suddenly calls you us as people who are merely interested in the fun of a superhero movie to question these things in a way that like um that an early X-Men movie doesn't. Yeah. I do think that I do think that's common in, in movies. I mean, so in in the um, if we go back to that 2008 Iron Man movie, the first Iron Man movie does have a very interesting political discussion that no one really talks about um as to whether or not Stark or or Abadiah Stane. Is right. It's not clear that, you know, the question of, hey, should we be war profiteering, which is really the central uh, argument right. of the first Iron Man film. There's not like stains is presented as the villain, but he's not clearly wrong. I mean, Stark really is essentially hmm. he's, you know, he's a war profiteer up until he becomes Iron Man. Then he's like, oh, I'm taking my toys and going home. Yeah. That's it. So so the, so Marvel has always dealt with these questions. I think that the Black Panther questions are very prescient for today.
1: I, I guess I, – so I want to do – we want to talk about the politics of, of Black Panther and um, <clears throat> think about whether they are really as revolutionary um, as we are all talking about it as. And I think Zizek – there's, a, there's a several things I'm going to link to uh, in the show notes. There's like three or four articles – that we've kind of read in the background that we made just sort of reference here and there as Chris has done. Um, I will also reference or ref- uh, link to Chris's blog. Uh, and so if you want to kind of read up what he's what he does on the off time. But and there's some videos and things like that. So go to the show notes. If you go to um, sectarianreviewpodcast.com, you can find um, all of our show notes and, and there'll be pretty copious links, I think, for this one. Um, so Iron Man and me have a pretty checkered history. <laughs> so i uh so uh, this is not so first of all uh there's a couple of ways to approach the politics of Black panther uh, one is there's this kind of you know alt-right backlash against it and that to me is just totally uninteresting and so I'm not even gonna like really address that um and so I, I, it's just this, the thing you would expect those folks to say you know what I mean and um and so it's like not even worth addressing uh and it, and it's in some ways kind of like it's somewhat related to some of the backlash against um the last jedi which we have a show on that go back a couple episodes and you'll hear that show and we've sort of done that kind of uh that kind of critique so i want to kind of focus on the political uh side of this as well also a few weeks ago now this was a show recorded way back in the summer but it just got released fairly recently about the last spider-man movie Time uh, totally not timely when we released it, but uh, Nathan Gilmore and I sat and talked about Spider-Man as a kind of attempt at improving on the politics that the Marvel Universe put into play with Iron Man, um, and I think in some way you asked to you kind of posed a thought experiment in my own head when you said they didn't really have to start with Iron Man. They could have started anywhere else. How would this universe be different if it wasn't based on this essential question of, you know, war profiteering? I mean, that's like the essential kind of um, ideological question that that movie is asking. And, um, and it's just a fascinating counterfactual thought experiment for me to consider. What if it had begun with um, Captain America's story, right? Which is asking a totally different set of questions. Um, And so, um my problem with Iron Man in, in that disagreement with Obadiah Stane, I think it comes into this is that, so it's a, it's set up as if there is big bad capitalism and then there's like really good capitalism. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and, and so this is where like the Marvel universe settles into there's really good capitalism. And we're just showing like a fantasy version of this kind of neoliberal, um, like capitalist ideology and and tony stark is the living embodiment of that right and uh and and so i feel like i really don't like his politics and i don't like the conclusions that that movie makes i I mentioned this on that other podcast but in case anyone wasn't listening to this um the moment when he shows up in insert arab country i forget where it was (laughs) even right and um and he Beats down the bo- the boogeymen and says he's all yours and flies away. I mean that's exactly the argument that George W. Bush was making for the Iraq War. I mean it's in no way different than
0: they will greet us as liberators. Yes, that's, that's exactly what he does.
1: Yes, exactly. Right, and so I feel like even if you, I, I, yeah, I don't really distinguish. I, I don't see him as heroic as in the way that he does, certainly. And so I think that the new Spider-Man movie does a lot to kind of try to break away from the, the kind of, I think, poisonous legacy of, of Tony Stark. But, um, but I think also this movie does too. I think it's doing similar things. However, I wonder if it is settling in to this kind of liberal consensus, uh, form of politics and presenting it as revolutionary. And this is like sort of the question that I'm, I'm bringing to this show. Twenty eight minutes I, in.
0: Yeah, well, I, and I and I don't, I I don't know that that's wrong. I, I think, again, if we if we take my earlier conceit that we don't view these as individual movies, we view yeah, but we view Black Panther as the latest episode of the MCU television show, uh, which is an expensive television show to go see, but two hour episodes and you, and, <laughs> and 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 very slow seasons that take years. Um, if we view Black Panther as that, Black Panther is an entry into the, the question I, – and I guess we – spoilers for this entire episode, right? Oh, yeah. I should <laughs> have mentioned that. Yeah, we're totally <laughs> yeah, going to spoil yeah, that guy. There's but, no yeah. – I mean, I don't know. I mean, the movie's made almost a billion dollars. You've seen it, so <laughs> – um, but assuming – we look at all of these stories as related. We make the assumption that your average viewer, and this isn't true, Black Panther certainly brought its own audience, but your average MCU viewer is watching all, or at least most episodes of the TV show. And I think you can draw a parallel between Stark's journey and his ideology and T'Challa's journey and his ideology. Because Stark's question is... um I mean, I think you put it exactly right. It's not really the, the war profiteering question isn't the same as, hey, I'm a capitalist and you're a Marxist. It's a I'm a good capitalist and you're a bad capitalist. Yeah. That's really what they're arguing over. It's a question of how do we make capitalism work? And the and the winning side is you said the neoliberal stark. I think that's ex- exactly a good way of, of, of putting it. His version of "I'm trying to be," you know, "I'm using capitalism as a force of good as opposed to greed," is what what ultimately wins mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> in, a, in a in a air in a air quote
1: scare quote kind of way, and is presented um, as heroic right? as
0: heroic. Yeah. Now, if we but if we look at if we if we fast forward to Black Panther, now we've got a story of two um, of two. I, I hate breaking it down and simplifying it this uh, t- this much but two woke heroes or yeah. a woke hero and a woke villain yeah because um killmonger and t'challa are both presented as and i think sort of correctly as different sides of uh, how do we say you know how do we save the impoverished black man character yeah um a lot of the criticism that I've seen, some of the ones that we've read touch on this, but a lot of the, um, I've, I've been reading a lot of blogs about this cause I'm working on the paper, um, and seeing people's arguments. And one of the big criticisms of, of the film is if we're going to say black lives matter, then why, why is the villain a black guy as well? Because ultimately what it comes down to is two black guys having a beef, yeah. fighting, fighting, uh, fighting over, over this ideological issue. Mm-hmm. And, I think that's actually OK, because it is not the case that, um, you know, we like to reduce everything as Americans. We traditionally like to reduce everything to very simple by bi- binaries um, in 2018. We reduce it to the hashtag. So you're either has- <laughs> you're, you're, oh, no, We do. So you're yeah, either right. hashtag, you're either hashtag Black Lives Matter or your hashtag All Lives Matter. And that's it. There's There are two kinds of people on this earth. And it's that simple. And the assumption is just. If I'm hashtag Black Lives Matter, then I believe all the same things as everybody else who is hashtag Black Lives Matter, and that's not really true. Um, I don't think it's fair enough to reduce uh, – because some people have sort of made the argument that Killmonger isn't really trying to liberate the black people. It's just self-interest, and he's using this backdrop. I don't think that. I think Killmonger really does have a very specific ideal uh, ideology of – Look, Wakanda, the one place you know this Afrofuturist nation, which has the ability to save the world, has isolated itself and has left the other black men to die. And I'm going to fix that. He Mm -hmm. believes that. His um, and yes, I do think he's a negative character because he's selfish. The humanity of the character is that he is not a good person. Right. That doesn't mean he's wrong. He, it, he has a very specific ideological point of view, and he makes the heroic choice at the end to, no, you're not throwing me in jail. I'm just going to die because I don't want to live in a world wherein you do this. So here's my ideology. You take it or leave it. I'm dying now. And in a way, because of how the film ends and T'Challa tries to merge their ideologies together and open up the open up the borders – killmonger sort of wins he sort of gets his i mean he doesn't get to survive but his ideology does get to continue so i think the same way as you're looking at stain and and stark sort of um looking at two different ideas of capitalism this is two different versions of of black lives matter this is two different versions of well what is the correct way to save to save and again, I don't want to say the African-American people because the 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 movie is very much representing – T'Challa's not African-American. He very much is an isolationist from this other nation yeah. who – that's an American problem. I don't want anything to do with it. I, I don't even care about the other problems of Africa. I'm really just trying to take care of Wakanda And versus Killmonger who, while not a nice person, his basic ideology is no – um this is everybody's problem it's not an american problem it's a problem in london it's a problem everywhere and that's what he and that's kind of what he's doing so i think that's i think that's an interesting play to put them together i don't know that the movie solves the solves it
1: yeah i I, for me it's the way it's set up is more of more of an issue um just a, a little heads up for the listener i have a couple of listener i throw out some questions you know every now and then like we're going to record about this Do you have any um feedback or anything and so they uh a couple of listener questions that i want to get to that are sort of related to some of the things you've just been talking about there but um, going back just uh, just one step um I feel like I need to say that I really like this movie, okay? i I, so do I. I'm going to sound very critical of this movie this whole time, right? but it's, we do. <laughs> it's just sort of to challenge some of its kind of assumptions, and particularly because it's been so embraced. By kind of mainstream woke liberalism, which is something that just drives me bananas. I, I feel like I have to kind of push back on it on that level. Okay. And so um, I, I feel like uh, there's a uh, uh, my intention, my feelings about this movie might not be apparent. I really, really enjoyed this movie and I want to go see it again, actually. I really, really enjoyed it.
0: I, I, I love this movie. I, I, I I'll echo exactly what you said. Um, I love this movie. There's another podcast that I listen to and they have is called The Weekly Planet. I'll plug them for them. But they they have a theory that one of the problems with the Internet is the Internet only allows again, binaryism. allows you two choices for a movie. It's either the best movie ever or the worst movie ever. Yes, <laughs> I, I like this movie a lot. Yes. I'm not going to say it's the best movie ever. Our job is to be critics. That's yeah. what that's what you do as an academic. Yeah. And and it's not as interesting a conversation for me to say, Whoa, well, yes, this is a great movie. Wasn't it fun? Well, that's that's not a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so the question is, well, let's think about, let's actually have the conversation and extend the question that they're yeah. trying to make because I think I I think it does raise interesting questions, which make it better. Yeah. So I sound critical of it. Everybody always thinks I hate it. No, I like the movie a lot. Yeah,
1: me too. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And I just want to kind of step, make sure that's out there in the beginning here. Um, and now going um, forward, just a, a, a one second here. I do think though that. Um, what it, the kind of structural issue, the symptomatic issue that it's inter- that's interesting to me about it is that it's reception and it's marketing as this kind of political panacea for social problems in America. Right. And I really want to push back on that. Like, I think that that is not at all um, uh, accurate about this film. I think the criticisms, the more radical criticisms of this film are really kind of true in that way. Um, and so And before I I want to read, there's a LA review of books, very short piece by um, Zizek. (laughs) I slap off Zizek. Uh, And uh, it's it's a really interesting criticism of this movie. I want to read just kind of the opening paragraph of it here in a second. But you had mentioned something about Obadiah Stane, uh, his relationship with Tony Stark, and comparing that with Killmonger's relationship with T'Challa. And you're right, structurally those two things kind of match. And I also feel like, T'Challa's enemy has been kind of unfairly represented, right? I feel like he's like this overtly, like he makes very kind of, I mean, basically alt right arguments for black people for for pan, pan pan Africanism, right? He wants to wipe out white people in the way that, that he wants to sort of just reverse the poles of power rather than killmonger. Killmonger, yeah. yes. Oh, I meant absolutely. I meant killmonger. If I said the yeah. wrong one, number, no, yeah. you
0: just said his enemy. I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know if you meant claw or killmonger. Yes, yeah, yeah. absolutely, killmonger.
1: Yeah. And, and absolutely, so, just does so. I feel like his politics. If he is representing Black Lives Matter is an unfair representation of Black Lives Matter, okay? I think that he is like a cartoonish, uh, extremist version of that, right? And in the same way, I think that Obadiah Stain is, gives, I guess maybe not in the same way, maybe in an opposite way here, Obadiah Stane gives Tony Stark an easy out because this is what bad capitalism looks like, really. And, and and I feel like it's like an unfair comparison, right? He's like overtly bad in a way that capitalism isn't. A capitalism like Satan appears very pleasant to the to the face, right? And so um and so I feel like they exaggerate their um uh enemy, the villains in each of these movies uh in a way to make the heroes look a little more radical and uh, a little more like righteous than they may actually be. Okay. And to so you,
0: To use a professional wrestling term, it's got to be, cl- it's got to be clear who the heel is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got to be. And um, I think you're right. I, so you said an alt-right version. I would say that Killmonger is represented in such a way that he, he is drawn to be, the caricature that the all lives matter or blue lives matter movements are afraid of.
1: Yes, exactly. That's he, a he great is, way we, to put
0: he, it. He is very much. He's not. He's not your typical guy. Just sort of marching in the street saying, "Please don't kill us." No. He's the. He's the thug. He's, that. He, he's <laughs> that, the looter, you know, right? He's looted, right. He, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he, he's the thug that, like, oh, if we, you know, if we let the BLM movement go, go unchecked. They're going to kill us all. Yes. And he is that guy. Yes. He,
1: he gives them the red meat that they're desiring. Right. Um, and therefore, T'Challa's solution to the problem, which is to open up like community centers in Oakland. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Seems <laughs> like, perfect. oh, my gosh, what an amazing thing. Right. When really it's just kind of capitalism as it always has worked. Right. And, and so it's making the conventional look radical. Right. And I think that that's kind of um, my critique of it. And G Jack, I think it gets uh, puts it in, in the only, the way only he can. Um, this is an, an LA review of books uh, review that he wrote. Um, it's we were waiting for a film like black Panther, but black Panther is not the film we were waiting for. Uh, the first sign of ambiguity is the fact that the movie was enthusiastically received all across the political spectrum. From partisans of black emancipation who see in it the first big Hollywood assertion of black power through liberals who sympathize with its reasonable solution, education and help, not struggle, up to uh, some representatives of the alt-right who recognize in the films Wakanda Forever, another version of Trump's America First. Uh, And when all sides recognize themselves in the same product, we can be sure that the product in question is ideology at its purest, a kind of empty vessel containing antagonistic elements. And I think that that's um, in the way that the Democrats and Republicans Policy-wise, aren't all that different from one another in, in in the big scheme of things, right? Um, um, they're just sort of these antagonistic elements within this general consensus, right? Obama's foreign policy wasn't significantly different from Bush's and or uh, Trump's, right? Um, and so such that Trump says, yes, yes, well, is, is, <laughs> assuming that I guess I'm being generous there, yes, yeah, and but so, no, it,
0: well, it, it's very much uh, we tend to look at the microcosm of global politics. As though it's only American politics, ignoring the the vast political spectrum that exists globally. Yes, um, and Amer- yeah, Democrats and Republicans are a very, very strong argument that's really over a, you know a ten degree version of the three hundred and sixty degree political spectrum. We're we're really arguing over this very very small part of it, which you know, no one's arguing. We we argue about oh, you know, I'm trying to think of some extreme example. An extreme example. Bernie Sanders is a socialist. Well, I mean,
1: yeah, not, not to but, socialists,
0: <laughs> but, he's, but he's not Mark. He's not Karl Marx. Exactly. You know, he's, he's he's nowhere near that, and he's and he would be extremely conservative on some in some countries that currently exist on yes. on the planet. Similarly, George W. Bush would be extremely liberal in the face of some countries that currently exist on the planet right we're looking at a very small piece of that
1: exactly conservatives in european countries have no problem with universal health care right i mean that's that's a it's a american version of things right and in fact i never even heard of ice or all this deportation stuff even though obama was doing it too like there were people being deported in great numbers under the obama administration right uh higher number (laughs)
0: higher numbers than currently yes
1: technically exactly right and so it's just this sort of um antagonistic kind of uh gamesmanship that we've um, we've tried we try to differentiate what is a general political consensus into good guys and bad guys just as Obadiah Stane and Tony Stark are kind of differentiated within the same system um, and, and I think that these movies kind of help reinforce that um, even though I really like the movie I mean <laughs> I feel like every 30 <laughs> seconds I need to say I really like this movie Best movie ever, <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So I think that Zizek kind of sets up my kind of political critique um, um, pretty well there. Um, and, and and before we get like any further into the radical politics, though, um, I did get a couple of really interesting um, you know questions shot at me on Twitter here. Uh, you know, these are both friends of the show here. I, I recognize both of them. Um, I'm going to start with David Grubbs, who's, you know, one of the, the kings of the Christian humanist. I call him Sir David Grubbs. He's uh, uh, the Christian humanist podcast. Uh, and so he um, wanted us to address how Black Panther adopts slash subverts the lost civilization of Africa trope invented by authors more associated with colonial attitudes. Um, uh our writer Haggard, which he gives me like she King Solomon's Minds, Edgar Rice Spurrows uh, with Tarzan. Burroughs um, is
0: the example I would use. Yeah,
1: yeah. Do you want to? Do you have anything to add to that? I think it's a really great observation about I, what this is doing with a rather kind of established colonial trope.
0: Well, so I'm going to use Tarzan as an example that I use very often um, when in in my work. It's a I think Tarzan is a brilliant book that. Um, As far as I can tell, almost no one actually reads. People know the the film version of Tarzan. The film is very, very different from the novel, not in as much as every film is different than a novel. They're not the same story. It's just a couple of names in in common. Um, But Tarzan is a story of colonialism. That's what it's about. Uh, Tarzan, at its essence, is if you you – it it is a story that took place – at the rise of, at the rise of what academically we call modernism yeah. at the beginning of the 20th century, um, you have a world where 50 years after the end of the Civil War, wait a minute, these black people want jobs now. People want, you know, <laughs> wait a minute, these women want to vote. Wait a minute, there, you know, there's there are a lot of changes that uh, this is going to sound very, you know. Very heavily racist towards white people in general, but what I'm critiquing is the status quo. In a world, America as a, as a system was built very much along a colonial line that favored white men. That is just how it was. They're the only ones who got to vote and they built a country around themselves. And suddenly we started in a very short period of time, um, we decided to start a, Sort of start changing that. Now we're still working on changing. I'm not saying it to happen overnight, but there was a lot of anxiety of what do we do if if um, if we're starting to consider people equal. Um, Tarzan and colonial narratives of, like that are the story of well, if we take you know the only re- the only difference between the African savage and the white man. You know, the, the advantage of the African savage is just that he's had a harder environment to grow up in. If we take a generic white baby and drop him in, in the middle of the jungle and just, le- and just let him grow up there, he will naturally rise and become king. Yes. And that is what and that is what happens in Tarzan. It is very much <laughs> a story of, of genetic superiority. It yeah. rationalizes colonialism. It rationalizes the idea, the turn-of-the-century ideal uh, I, uh, that – um, we are, we are invading a country for their own good. Now we talked about earlier, you know, the, you know, the Tony Stark, W Killmonger theory, you know, they will greet us as, as liberators. We're going to go in there and take over for their own good because they need our brand of, and insert ideology here, democracy, capitalism, yeah. whatever we you know, we're going to give them the American way as a gift. Yeah. That becomes – and whether you're talking about American colonialism or British colonialism, that's the justification for colonialism always. I think Black Panther is a little weird because the place that's typically painted as the savage land, which I shouldn't have said because if you're a comic book person, that means something very specific (laughs) in comics. But um, the place that – the other location, the place that is existing, that that is the the weird – uncharted territory is you know that's where you you toss this afrofuturism narrative in there and they're actually the advanced society yeah so that's just a version but then we we end up in this cyclical thing which is essentially uh, killmonger's plan is to do the same thing his plan is to take over wakanda and so that he can use the power of Wakanda to rule the world for their own good. yeah, so it so I I don't know that it like I depending on how you want to look at it, is it subverting the narrative? Well, yes, like as we said as I said at the beginning, both sides are right because yes, it is subverting the narrative by by changing what what we're looking at. but we're still making the same argument about, you know, it's still a colonial argument. It's just coming from the other direction.
1: Yeah, it's very interesting. That's a great analysis, and particularly, I mean, there's no other way to look at Tarzan other than a blatantly racist text, right? I mean, it's still enjoyable. I mean, as a as a fun adventure story, right? But looking beneath the surface, I mean, I'm not saying we should we ban Tarzan. This is no, not- we absolutely
0: shouldn't. <laughs> I, I I teach Tarzan um, frequently um, I, when when I when I teach my intro to lit class. And one of the things that, you know, people are always these are 18 year old freshmen who are always um, very afraid to notice it at first. And they'll say and sooner or later, you'll have one raise their hand and say, is he lynching people? (laughs) Yes. If you you read the novel Tarzan, Tarzan lynches people a lot. Mm. He hangs out in trees and he drops ropes around people's necks and then yanks up. That's how he kills people. It happens frequently and given when it was written yes it is absolutely an allusion to clan lynching that that is a part of the text of tarzan that they just kind of conveniently leave out of the movies
1: yeah yeah well but i mean even i mean just the nature of the story as well as, as the specifics of what he does i mean that idea of just, we'll just drop a white baby in and he will eventually just genetically rise to the top mm-hmm. of the, yeah, uh, that, that there's no other way to understand that. And you're right. The way that this movie does invert that it's, it subverts it by inverting it a little bit, I guess, in a little ways, but you have to remember the Killmonger was basically raised by this, the CIA, right? I mean, he's mm-hmm. this, this kind of white establishment. Um, and before spy, that, well, he,
0: well he's, he's, he's a dual character. Cause he's, he, he, you know, he is a pure Wakanda baby who was raised in the jungles of America. I mean, he yeah. was raised in poverty in Oakland and then suddenly went from that to, you know, somehow becomes hardened by America. So he joins the CIA, becomes a killing machine. And by virtue of his I mean, why does he get to challenge for the king of Wakanda for the you know for the power of the Black Panther? Because of his royal blood, his natural superiority. And he beats T'Challa because he is able to n- naturally undergo this uh, Bago, like Bago, I, I think that's his name in the film it's weird because i'm more used to the uh Mbaku, i think is what they call him uh, but he's he's um he's um man ape in the <laughs> in the in the comics um they you know he he is able to win that challenge because of his genetic superiority yeah which is sort of natural, much like T'Challa's. Yeah. A regular man can't just beat T'Challa. Yeah, it's, it, you've got to be special. So, yeah. that, so that specialness still exists.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right, there is something. It isn't just any strong guy can be king. The only guy who is able to be king will be king. Right, there's some sort of uh, predestination, I guess. <laughs> almost, and there was a religious sense in there. Um, yeah, absolutely. That's a that's a great that's a great observation. I think it's a great way to also understand um oh gosh i forget his name ross the uh the cia agent played by bilbo um <laughs> is that his, is that his name uh yeah i,
0: be- I believe he's agent ross. ross he's uh yeah it's it's in the Zeke, i believe he does call himself ross yeah um he's a character from from the previous film from civil war
1: yeah which he made no sense casting oh, i want to forget the actor's name now um he was in sherlock he played watson and sherlock and he played bill yeah Baggins. i'm forgetting his
0: name right now he's uh, uh he's the um He's the, he's one of the two, and the joke the internet joke's been the Tolkien white guys, yeah. Um, Andy, Cir- Andy, Serkis, Andy Circus, and I am blanking on his name now too.
1: That guy, yeah, I, I yeah. can't remember his name, but yeah. So I, I his role made no sense in Civil War. Why would they would cast a rather na- recognizable actor in a rather minor role? Now it makes a little more sense if they were thinking ahead that he would have a I, bigger role. Yeah, I
0: think he'd already been cast in this, and it was just because Andy Circus is barely has a point in the Avengers movie that he's in. He's yeah. just there to set him up as a villain for later.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so Martin um, Freeman. Ah, uh, Martin Freeman. Thank you. <laughs> this happens every show. I'll v- try to name drop and the lose the name and then I just embarrass myself. So um but yeah, so that role actually it, Understanding it in the way that you've set up David Grubbs' question here about the inversion of these um, lost civilization of Africa tropes, you do have a white guy who's supposedly – who in most – standard american narratives this would be the this is the tom clancy hero right he's going to come in and 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 take control of the situation and it doesn't really work like that in here he's rather helpless and in fact he's like reconstructed by the kind of magic technology of the wakandans Um and then given kind of instructions on how he can help in the battle right Um mm-hmm. and so it, it is another kind of an inversion and in fact his the sort of, like could, the colonizing aspect of his personality has been kind of bifurcated into, uh, Killmonger, right? And so Killmonger mm-hmm. now has that sort of, uh, colonizer's attitude, I guess, and it's been, taken away from the white guy. Therefore your white audience doesn't have to feel guilty about what we're watching. Right. And so um, I don't, I'm not so sure about that, but um, so yeah, I think that that's a, that's a great question that, that Grubbs uh, raised there. And the other one, I just want to point to, I'll link it to, uh, I'll link uh, to it in the show notes. Zach Dorman, um, who's a regular friend of the show. He um, uh, sent me an article from something called the wardrobe door. Um, and it's called of Wakanda and Narnia, how fictional places evoke, um, sorry, I'm losing the word. Uh, real longings. And, uh, it's a really interesting, um, article about the kind of Wakanda is just represented as this amazing place, right? Uh, and mm-hmm. like, I didn't get to see it in IMAX, but I, I imagine I really missed something because of just the way that it's represented as this sort of magical place. It does, I think, have something to do with why there is such a this uh, like uh, attachment to this movie for African American audiences, right? This is like this um, great homeland of, of Africa, right? That um, that is sort of uh, like heaven, right? I mean, it's something that's always been longed for, but never. It's a Shangri La. Yeah, yeah, a Shangri La. Hev- yeah,
0: it's a it's a heaven. It's a, it's a it's a it's a utopian. Well, it turns out not to be, but visually, it very much evokes the promised land utopian paradise that um it's sort of i mean if we we go all the way back and we start looking at um at post-civil war narratives uh of You know, we're going to go back to Africa. Africa is this promised land where all the problems just magically go away, which was not true then, is not true now. But it is in this movie. Yeah, yeah, it is. You know, there there is this one place that we care about that. Yeah, it's better than America.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and I recommend you take a, a minute and read that article. It's a really great way to connect that aspect of this movie to this larger tradition of these kind of inventions of magical places that make us long for something, you know what I mean? And so, I mean, maybe this is just a natural human need, I suppose. Um, and so as we get into, we've talked a lot about the questions that I have about the radicalness of the politics of this movie. So the last thing I really want to talk about is um, representation uh, as, you know, how important is it for, um, people of color to have a movie like Black Panther to watch, right? And so, um, I just, I'm gonna, I think that there's, oh gosh limitations to that. Like, for example, if I'm in Walmart and all the ads I see at their little bank, they have, they're all people of color, right? I'm not sure something that's something to be proud of, right? <laughs> that's not something that makes me feel wanted. That's something they're marketing to me, right? Mm-hmm. As a, as a member of whatever minority group that is up there. Um A movie is a kind of product, right? So there is that kind of pandering aspect to it. I do think that this is different than, the bank ads at Walmart, though. And so I think that there is something legitimate about Hollywood investing this kind of budget and this kind of PR machine into something that is so um, Afrocentric. And I think that there's something to be said there. I want to play a video, though. This is from, uh, well, it'll be an audio <laughs> for you all listening here. Um, but this is uh, from a Washington Post uh it's on YouTube, on Washington Post. I'll put the link to it. It's something called TLDR, which I think means too long, didn't read in Internet speak. So I just want to play this. And I think it, what it does is set up the um, that argument, that kind of um, pro-representation argument in a really um, clear and understandable way.
2: Black Panther is not just another superhero movie. Culturally, it's a revolutionary moment for the black diaspora and for white people, too. Black Panther uses the fictional African nation of Wakanda to revel in the truth of black beauty and our own agency. As a child of immigrants from Ghana and Nigeria, Black Panther is a luscious celebration of the cultures that I come from. I saw kente cloth. I saw the powerful Adinkra symbols of Ghana. I saw homages to rural African traditions coexisting perfectly with modernity, science, and advanced technology. And for my fellow black woman, yo, those female guardians in charge of King T'Challa's security, it's not totally fictional. Read up on the Mino of the Dahomey kingdom and what is now Benin. Finally, I get to see leading ladies who are dark-skinned with natural hair. All this. Black Panther just makes me feel less invisible. It is an unapologetically black film and I am here for all of it. But, white people, this movie is for you, too. American white people, British white people, Dutch, South Africans, you need Wakanda as much as black people do. And why? Because it gives great instructions on how to be a white ally. Because in 2018, we live in a world where white fantasies of black inferiority still rage. Where white supremacists march in the streets. And where the U.S. president wants to restrict black and brown immigration from what he calls countries and in the uk the british are indulging their own nostalgic colonial fantasies According to a new study, half of British people think they left their former colonies better off than they were before white people showed up. If you study history, you know that that is not true. These are the legacies of powerful and destructive racial fantasies that have shaped our world. Black Panther serves to fight those fantasies with fantasy. It weaponizes the black imagination of a scientifically advanced black society, untouched by outside oppression, with technology powerful enough to either save or destroy the world. Africa is filled with wealth and knowledge knowledge, but its lessons aren't respected, and the resources that produce that wealth are removed and sent to enrich other countries. This is not the case in Wakanda. Wakandans benefit from turning their own natural resources into powerful technologies. The director of Black Panther wanted to explore what it means to be African, but to me, the movie represents what it means to be black and free, what it means to walk in this world with a quiet confidence of power and royal privilege. Wakanda forever.
1: So I thought that that was a really, um, you know, kind of clearly stated of this consensus position about um, the benefits of um, of, of representation on screen. And I thought it was really uh, insightful how they not just aimed it at why it's great for um, people of color, but why this is beneficial for uh, for white people to see, too. And so uh, I'll put that link up there if you want to go back and watch it itself. It's a wonderful little video with little clips from the movie. But uh, what are your thoughts on this issue since you're writing I, about it?
0: Yeah. <laughs> And, and this is where I think it gets complicated. Uh, again, we're talking about our inclination as a culture to want things to be simple. We want things to be, <laughs> no pun intended, black and white. You know, again, binary. Um, it's not binary. You brought up the Walmart ad. What's the difference between the Walmart ad with all black characters or, you know, the McDonald's? Uh, uh, um, there's a... Was Chris Rock made a joke at one point that there are, and this is not true anymore. But at one point, there were no interracial McDonald's on television. Mm. There were, you know, there was the there were the black McDonald's ads, and there were the white McDonald's ads. And depending on whether this was playing on NBC or BET, we aired one or the other. <laughs> and, and 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 it really was that simplistic. It's true. So I think that there is sort of a logic to that. The idea was. Um, There was a belief that, hey, we cannot market something to both black people and white people. Um, So we want black people to go to McDonald's. So on the Black Network, we will play that version of the commercial. But white people would never go to the black McDonald's. And that's not really true. It's sort of the same thinking that made people say, can we make a black superhero movie, even though they just forgot that Blade existed? Yeah. Can, can we make a a female superhero movie for Wonder Woman. Is representation important? Yes. It absolutely is. And the difference between that Walmart ad or those McDonald's ads and Black Panther or Wonder Woman is Black Panther and Wonder Woman were good movies. Yeah, That's, <laughs> it, It's it's really that simple. I enjoy the movie Meteor Man, which I know none of your listeners have ever heard of. Uh, no, it's
1: a yeah, black Robert Townsend, right? Is that... With Robert Townsend. Yeah, yeah.
0: And it's funny. It's not good. I enjoy it. Um, <laughs> Blade 3 is horrible. Um, Blade 1 is dated, but I enjoy it. Um, Black Panther was a good movie, and that disguises the fact that ultimately what – it is is a it's a product it's a product of capitalism that is made because Marvel Comics and Disney want to sell you a film. Yeah. And the and where this came down to me as a problem is um, I'm going to rewind. This is a different paper that I'm working on, but it's another black superhero. If you if you're a comic book fan for up until a couple of months ago, for about two years, Sam Wilson, who in the comics is the in the movies is the Falcon. Became Captain America briefly right. or for about two years. I was against this and I took some flack because I wrote an article about it. You know, uh, most of the people complaining about it were complaining about it for frankly rather racist reasons. Sure. Well, Captain America Captain America can't be black. He's got – I mean he's got to be white because Captain America is a white man and you can have your own hero. Yeah. And um, other people – were yay representation this is it i want to be have a hero that i can look at and look at you know just like miles morales spider-man this is this is great i said it was bad and my reason for it being bad was because i understood because i've been reading comics and watching them for a while uh i understood that this would be temporary i understood that at the end of the day Sam Wilson is not Captain America. Steve Rogers is not Captain America. Chris Evans is Captain America. Mm. And Sam Wilson necessarily had to be reverted before the next film came out because that's how you sell comic books. <laughs> so I knew, So I knew that it had that I knew that it was temporary. And by the way, he was reverted a month before the uh, before when it, like that that's when it happened. they they brought the other cat back. Um, I knew that had to happen. And then the way it was released, and, and and again, this is going to go back. Marvel Comics released um, the idea that Sam Wilson was going to be Captain America uh, at eleven o'clock on the Colbert Report. Um, Joe Casada, then editor in chief. Came on the Colbert Report, Stephen Colbert's old show, and announced this, and had a big thing where he presented Captain America Shield to Stephen Colbert, which he still hangs in his new sh- on his new oh, show. That's where that came from. after okay, that yeah. came from, and it was a big deal, and it was like, hey, this is going to be a thing, and that happened. Uh, twenty four hours, less than twenty four hours, because it was at night instead of uh, instead of in the morning, after. He did a similar thing. Well, he didn't show up, but he paid the View to announce on the Whoopi Goldberg announced that Thor was going to be a female character. Yeah, this happened in this happened in a twenty-four hour period on the View and on the Colbert Report, and that was kind of exciting until you realize that those things happened in conjunction on two very large national stages because it was a press release. If they really, really just wanted to do it. San Diego Comic-Con was happening. The biggest the biggest assortment of geeks was happening the next weekend. It was literally four days away. They could have announced it there, but they wanted the bigger audience. Yeah. So my problem with Sam Wilson as Captain America was it wasn't done for representation. It was done to sell representation. Yes. So that's they more like wanted, the Walmart ad. Right. It was the Walmart ad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they wanted Marvel. And again – I like comics. I like these movies. Uh, but what they were, what they wanted with the Sam Wilson as, as Captain America was they wanted me to say, "Hey, you're black. Go out and buy this movie. You're liberal. As a white person, and I'm a black person, but as a white person, you're liberal. And if you support black people, you'll go out and buy this comic book. Yeah. That's that was the message." You're you know, if you're not behind Sam Wilson as Captain America, something's wrong with you. Yeah. And that is that is capitalizing on my racial identity to sell your product. Yeah. I didn't like that. Um, because that is the Walmart ad. That, 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 mm. uh, that is the McDonald's ad. Now, Black Panther managed to not offend by taking it seriously now we we just spent the last hour criticizing the film so there are things that i like there are things that i didn't like but i cannot say that it wasn't a good movie i cannot say that it was done purely to pander to me i'm sure part of it was at the end of the day disney is a business their number one job Is not representation for black people or white people or Chinese people or or Hispanic people. Their number one job is to put butts in seats and sell movie tickets. That is Disney's bottom line. And if they can't not sell movie tickets, then there won't be any Black Panther movies or Iron Man movies or anybody. Yeah. These tickets don't sell, Disney goes away. I don't think we're in any fear of Disney going away anytime soon. (laughs) Disney knows how to sell tickets. It's more likely that everything
1: right. becomes Disney <laughs>
0: everything can become Disney so <laughs> yes. they so but they did it in such a way as they they did not pander to me they wrote a good movie that they took seriously and it was a film that rather than you know what what they could have done was they could have done the Christopher Reeves thing if you're first if you're the first big budget superhero movie ever then you can say look here's a guy flying and that's enough. Yeah. If you're the first, um, if 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 you're the first black superhero movie, big budget black superhero movie, they could have said, um, "Look, here's a black superhero," and they, because you know, it was a bigger budget than Blade was, they could have said, "We threw some money behind it. Doesn't this look cool?" And that would have been enough. They could have done the same thing with Wonder Woman. Doesn't this look cool? It's a woman. That would be enough. The problem is that trick only works once. Yeah. If you, if you want it to continue and to be something that can make social change that can move the needle needle, then you have to sort of put some work into it. And again, Wonder Woman was not a perfect film. Black Panther was not a perfect film, but they were good. And it shows an intention to actually take the subject matter seriously. Uh, the reason we can have a discussion about whether or not Killmonger is right, whether or not, he's all that different from black panther whether or not it it is the right message having two black men you know the reason we can have these discussions is because it's a it's a real story that actual time was taken to sort of figure these issues out and if you think about you know the movies that that the academy of motion pictures arts and sciences takes seriously for the oscars you know they we, we know they mostly ignore superhero movies but Uh, One of the I I got into a discussion um, last year uh, around this time with someone who said, well, who who told me that um, that I was, you know, I was wrong for my for my um, for my anti um, anti Sam Wilson argument i said I'm, i said i'm not anti-sam wilson what you have to understand is sam wilson is one of my favorite superheroes and has been since i was seven years old yeah when i was seven years old i was a big falcon fan primarily because the falcon had you know could yeah. fly and he was black he looked like me yeah. that was that was really it i didn't have a lot of choices um and what i liked about sam wilson was he was not captain america's sidekick he was his partner and what that movie said to me, what that comic book said to me was none of the last 30 years of Sam Wilson's career mattered because he was just in training to be Captain America. Mm. And you and the world doesn't need a Falcon. The world needs a Captain America. So when the white guy steps down, the black guy had to take his place. And I didn't like that message. Um, this didn't do that. This movie took it seriously and said – hey, here's a story that you can enjoy and can be representative to you as a black man, can be representative to a child. I have a five-year-old nephew who loves Black Panther. His birthday just came up, and he got all Black Panther stuff for his his birthday. He runs around with the mask on and the gloves on, and he is super excited. But a friend of mine has a seven-year-old white son, you know, who loves the movie just as much and that's important it's not just representation it's representation that is not pandering representation that is real and representation that can be enjoyed by everyone as opposed to just sort of throwing something out to uh, out for you because there's always going to be you know there's always going to be films that are targeted at just the black audience or just the women audience um we tend to look at movies that are targeted at, you know, the movies like Iron Man that are targeted towards the white male audience are supposed to be for everybody, which is actually kind of insulting to white males. It's like saying you have no racial or gender identity, <laughs> you're, the, you're the generic, and you cannot appreciate the alternative racial or gender identities of, of black or Hispanic or female or gay or transgender you know you can't uh, you cannot appreciate a movie like moonlight moonlight yeah. was a brilliant film and i think it what for me it always countered the idea of people are like well there's no someone told me there's no representation for black people or gay people or in in hollywood and that's why we need movies to superhero moves to do this and i said well no there is representation a, a movie about a black gay man just won best, best picture granted no one saw it compared to the superhero movies, but that means yeah. that – that means that what are you really caring about? Are you caring about representation or are you caring about seeing people with superpowers? Yeah. <laughs> and and I care about both. So, yes, it's great when that those things are merging together, but you sort of have to like sort of think – is it true you know, to say that i can't as a black man i never had any hero i could identify with that's just a lie of course i did because i was ai have been a huge spider-man fan since i was about seven or eight years old too i happen to like falcon better and i didn't have as many falcon options as i had spider-man options sure. but it's not that i can't enjoy spider-man peter parker spider-man as opposed to miles morales who didn't exist i'm old it didn't exist that long ago um <laughs> i absolutely enjoyed spider-man comic books i also was a fan of, of the thing um from from the not the entire fantastic four i love the thing yeah there, there you know i had favorites just like everybody else um but the problem isn't so much that you can't identify and i think that's always problematic when we say that the problem is assuming that you can't identify unless we pander to you, because then it becomes a question of pandering as opposed to a question of giving you something that actually does represent you. And yeah. I think Black Panther avoided that. I think Wonder Woman avoided that. I think, you know, if we if we want to look at, again, look at other movies, Meteor Man is not good. The Supergirl movie is not good. Um, Electra uh, Catwoman. Catwoman was a movie that starred a black a, a black person and a female person. It's awful. Halle yeah. Berry's Catwoman. It is a it is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Yeah, but it has representation.
1: Yeah, and that's
0: not, so it's not just enough to say we're going to sell you representation. You have to sell me representation and put some work into it and make something that again it doesn't need to be great. Yeah, but needs to be meaningful, and it needs to be
1: good. Well, and meaningful, um, I mean, it seems to me that based on the previews I'm seeing for uh, Infinity War, I mean, they're really, I mean, making Wakanda central. I mean, this is not just sort of a one-off movie, then they're going back to the normal thing. I mean, they really do seem to be like fully integrating this into the Marvel Cinematic Universe and so yeah they absolutely have invested in it right and so yeah you're totally right about that. I hope it's hard to say because I mean again the the previews
0: for Infinity War seem to feature Wakanda very very heavily. We have not seen the film yet and i don't know i don't know if that's because wakanda is featured very very heavily or if it's because wow this movie just made 800 million (laughs) dollars we we better toss it in the commercial because if you think about because that's actually what happened for like if you look at the justice league movie that came out last year um it all the previews post wonder woman made her look like the main character she's yeah. barely in it <laughs> yeah. she, shes she didn't know more than anybody else she's she's I, a you know the, it's she's a character in it but it's not Wonder Woman yeah but
1: made you think it was. I still haven't seen that, actually. Um, maybe I should do that while it's still spring break. But, um, yeah, and then um, – but on the other end of that, but even building up to Black Panther, I mean, they invested quite a bit of Civil War, uh, the Captain America Civil War, Absolutely. by establishing uh, T'Challa, right? And, and so, I mean, he was a, a main player in that. So they do seem to be fully invested in in not just checking a box, right? Now and
0: I, I think that's what made it work.
1: Yeah. I think it worked because they – they said, "You know what? Let's
0: just make a story about a guy. He's a black superhero. So let's think about what that means. He's an Afro—I shouldn't even say black. He's an African superhero. Yeah, yeah. Let's think about what this means as his specific national identity, not just racial identity. And and he's a king, and he is a man of privilege. Yeah. For, we didn't talk that much about it, but a, but a big difference between Killmonger and and uh, and T'Challa is." Their level of relative privilege because they do have identical pedigree. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's a social situation of where they were raised that makes them different. And I think they focused on asking hard questions, if not answering them when writing the movie yeah. in a way that they might not have done in previous films.
1: True. Um, and I will just say, I mean, just my little step back, my, my praise, just a second. Um, Disney does tend to do these kinds of things when it is marketable to do them. They're not out there pushing the vanguard of culture. They're selling things that are marketable to the culture. Right. And so um, I suspect that as you know, we get further and further into gay marriage, for example, being the norm in America. You are going to start seeing them having more and more gay characters, you know, show mm-hmm. up uh, in a uh, in in their movies because it's safely it's safe to do so. And on the other end of that, they can market it as uh, it's it's look look how woke we are, right? And so they
0: just did that. In, they just did that in the Beauty and the Beast movie. Yes, um, the and Beast movie. There's a gay character in this. Yes. We're telling you because otherwise if we don't tell you, you'll miss it. <laughs> you would have
1: never so, noticed it. <laughs> so we're gonna
0: point it out so that and, 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 and it was brilliant because they pointed it out and they got they got people praising them and they got backlash from your alt-right groups. Why are you pushing the social agenda on us? Yes which is just more publicity for them. That it, it, so they so they got it. Because if you think about it, the best Disney movie of last year, best you know, best animated feature of the year was Coco. Yeah, Coco had no marketing up until it made a whole bunch of money, and then they said, "Oh, let's get behind this." Yeah, the the because um, Cars uh, number eighteen. I don't know what what, <laughs> what level of what version of car, but that was supposed to be the runaway yeah um, kids movie hit, and they put so much money behind it um and coco they didn't put much behind it at all they had so little faith in coco that they marketed it as you know they they put like a 20 minute frozen featurette in front of it yeah. which people hated yeah. because they were so excited to see Coco, and and after a week or two in the theaters, they had to strip that out, yeah. Because they th- they didn't think they could sell Coco on their own. So mm-hmm. it's not so much that they just want to sell it, as you said, they 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 will sell you diversity when they think it will sell. Yeah. And, and now and now one might expect that we're going to be seeing Coco two and yeah, Coco three. I'm sure Cocoa they will, right?
1: Yeah. And, and I'm not saying that it's a bad thing, and I'm, I'm sure people are going to push back on me for just you know what that, but. I'm just saying I don't want to give them too much credit for doing something that's relatively easy and actually beneficial to themselves, right? And Coco so Coco is a
0: basic movie. Everybody should, everyone should see Coco by yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah. Really- yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so yeah, that that's my only point about this. I guess it's going back to the the Tony Stark as subversive hero, right? I mean, he's really not subversive at all. He's just sort of mainstream capitalism, right? And Disney's not pushing the cultural vanguard with these movies. It's kind of mainstream capitalism. It is great that they um, that we are at a point where this is marketable. Like, I mean, that that to me is, is a wonderful thing, and that they invested what they should have invested in it, and and let the right people make this movie. And and it's a it's a wonderful movie. I fully recommend it. I'll probably see it many times in my life. Yeah.
0: Well, they were they're responding to it, and it's, this is one of the things that I. Um, I I think there's a there's a again you looking at simplistic versions of belief. There's a, there's a belief that you know media makes culture. That people you know people will always you know if there's a school shooting we we need to look at these video games. We need yeah. to look at these violent movies. Um, the world's not that simple. If if it were if it were so simple that I could put media in front of you and change your behavior the Christian Bible is the best-selling book in the history of the planet. The world, (laughs) by far, the world would be a great place. So it's not that simple. What media mostly does is media responds to culture. Or I should say, what mass media mostly does is mass media responds to culture. The reason... You're seeing uh, a Black Panther movie is because Disney, which is relatively risk averse, said they did they they crunched the numbers and they said I don't think they knew it would do as well as it did, but they said you know we can probably safely make a Black Panther movie and make some money. Mm-hmm. Um, Warner Brothers did the same thing. I bet you you know people seem to be clamoring for a female for let's let's give this a try. Um, the reason you haven't seen uh a gay superhero headlining a movie yet is we're not there yet. If you want to see a gay superhero headlining a movie, go see Moonlight because if Moonlight had made if Moonlight had made 300 million dollars domestically, there'd be a gay superhero movie next year. <laughs> like that's that that's a gay yeah. black superhero movie. That's what it that's what happens. Like it's a response to um, like why are we going to get more black panther movies it's going to be it's a combination of two things first off black panther did well but more importantly girls trip did mm-hmm. well girls trip an amazing movie moonlight did okay girls trip did really well uh tyler perry movies do great so those things where you're not making you're not investing you know a superhero movie cost 150 million dollars to make uh tyler perry's boo is like 10 million dollars get out phenomenal film yeah uh was made on a shoestring budget and like made 10 15 times its budget so when a get out does well or a girls trip does well then you say hey let's okay well maybe there's something to this whole african-american thing (laughs) and that's it and and that's why and that's why disney makes those decisions yeah um Same thing for you know like 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 there were a lot of and it took a while. There's always been women's movies, chick flicks, which are you know they've always been there, but they've always been a niche market. Once they start becoming successful, then a Warner Brothers comes around and says, "Well, maybe girls like superheroes." You know, crazy thought. So if you want that kind of representation, give other kinds of media. And, and, and you know movies are expensive i'm not saying you go out and you go you go to the movies every weekend like i do i'm i'm a crazy person <laughs> but um, but if you if, but when you start consuming things like um if, if you look at um if you look at comic book sales the best female selling comic character by far right now is harley quinn nobody else even comes close guess which so guess which character warner is really trying to make a movie happen around yeah. they're trying to make a movie happen around margot roby and harley quinn yeah. if uh, if suddenly so uh there's a there's a there's a, a comic book character that i really like her name's america she's a she is a latina lesbian superhero for marvel uh, and probably most of your listeners have never heard of her because her comic book was selling 10,000 copies an issue and just got canceled this month, yeah. like because because no one's reading it. So there's not going to be an America movie yeah. because people aren't. You know, but if you start supporting little tiny projects like that, then that's where Disney starts saying, "Hey, you know, maybe we'll give this a shot." Yeah. And and that's that's how it happens because they are a business, and I think they're reflective of the culture, which is not a bad thing. I, I'm not. I don't mean to be hammering. I mean, it's fun to hammer on Disney. I don't mean to ha- be hammering on them too hard, because the question is, is there a market for a transgender, lesbian, uh, Asian, uh, uh, Asian Muslim superhero? Like that, that gets very, very niche. Yeah. And I don't know that that market's there. But when that market shows up, Disney will absolutely sell a ticket to it. <laughs> and that's and and if you and if you are in that mat- market then make your voice heard, you know, look for things like that. And, and then you'll see more of this.
1: Yeah. And I guess, I mean, me being me, I just want to say, I mean, I I want to be cautious about reducing everybody to their place in the marketplace too. Right. Right. And so, uh, and so like, I, like I said, I all, all on board with black Panther, and i think disney deserves accolades for what they did with it um i don't want to like over congratulate them for making basically no. <laughs> smart business decisions right and so um well chris maverick this was awesome i'm going to have to have you back uh as often as great. You, as often as you'll come back uh, i really enjoyed talking to you uh you had a uh so much great insight about this and uh, uh i will put links up to your blog and i and people want to find you from there it'll probably be easy Um, to do well
0: yeah i I have a blog chrismaverick.com it's my name fair warning uh, a friend of mine once described me as a very educated man who swears a lot that 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 is probably true
1: (laughs) well you didn't Uh, know my show so that's nice i don't have to bleep anything so that's good Um, (laughs)
0: thank you you for having me i I, you know i i I will certainly be back and whenever i get my own show going which i've been i've been promising i'd do for a while now i'll I'll have you on
1: yeah uh, well i appreciate that and i'm let me know when that is and i'll plug it so uh uh chris maverick thank you again uh i am as always danny anderson don't forget to go to our uh wherever you find us we're on twitter we're on facebook go to the facebook place uh the facebook place go to facebook and uh and find us there like that page and uh get in touch with us there sectarianreviewpodcast.com is where you'll find all the links to everything there isn't even a gmail account there you can, you can send me a long email uh and as always i'm still waiting for some snail mail to come find me at mount aloysius college department of english uh danny anderson it'll, it'll get to me so uh anyway thank you everybody for listening and thanks for chris for a, a great conversation